Well, obviously, this is the most wonderful time of the year, and I know that often what we do is, um, if you're still a child of heart like me, um, my wife hides presents, but I know where they're at, but she never tells me where mine is, because then that would not be a secret in hiding. But sometimes what we do is we find presents. I don't know how many of you out there, how many of you are spouses that hide presents from your husband because they're little boys? Nobody? My wife's the only one that does it? My wife's like, she's the only one. Okay, well, she still does it because we have four kids. And thanks, thanks, Janet. Thank you. I appreciate that. Ben's probably like, I don't remember you doing that. But what's happened is sometimes we're hoping for something. In this time of the year, we're always hoping for, wonder what this is. And then um, sometimes we go to look at our stocking, but the stocking shouldn't be uh, until the night before. And sometimes we, I like to have a... Stocking stuffer like this, some um, Starbucks. Yeah, Rick's with me on this. Although this is store-bought, Rick, Rick, sorry. But, um, but this is something that I enjoy. And sometimes I just like a little candy bar, but the healthier alternative is the 88% dark chocolate. So um, that's where I'm at. So I, unfortunately, and then if there's, see, let me see if there's any. No, no money. Okay, well, anyway, just thought maybe there'd be some money in there. Uh, I would love, honey, that's just a thought. Okay, so. Just wanted to take you uh, down that road. But anyway, what we do so often is at Christmas time, we hope. We know as believers, we think of Christ as our living hope. And we often hear that because the first coming of Christ is the birth of Christ. And we celebrate that. And what's attached to it is what we're going to talk about today is the second coming of Christ as well. But I have to ask the question, what is hope? If we would just get a generic definition of what hope is, it's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Something like he looked through her belongings in hope of coming across some information. Then you have another type of definition for hope too, grounds for believing that something good may happen, and now it's he does see some hope for the future. But the question I have is what do, hope, what do people really hope in? And another question we're gonna to try to answer is, is Jesus Christ really a guaranteed hope? And we hope to see in the scriptures that he is. But part of it is the first coming, the message of Christmas, what we celebrate each year, not just the decorations, but what it means to us as believers in Christ. So often is what we do as parents, we want to become better parents. So we hope to be. We hope that our children will do well in school and behave well when we're not seeing them running around. Often we have to do that, kids. Make sure today you need to behave well. We hope. College students hope that they'll get a good grade on a test. Um, Some college students are looking for a mate. They go to college just to find their spouse. That's usually Bible college, by the way. Uh, Hope to find a job so they can pay off tuition or just do the sad story of getting mom and dad to pay it off if they can do it. Or hope to get along with their roommates. There's so many. And then maybe we we ever think that of us who are a little bit older, we think about retirement. We think about our health. We think about quality time with children and grandchildren. We lost an incredible man yesterday, our former president, George Herbert Walker Bush, had a legacy of a family, and he said that as president, that wasn't the most important thing he did in his life. 
He said the most important thing he wanted to be remembered as was being a father, a husband, and a grandfather. I, I, I've just been watching it for the last two days and just amazed because I've never followed him of the legacy that he has left for his children. But what is the hope of the Christmas message? Man has been separated from God because of sin. God offers hope to mankind through the person and work of Jesus Christ. God established this from eternity past through eternity future. Look with me to 1 Peter 1, chapter 20. 1 Peter 1, chapter 20. I think we have that projected on the screen, if we can. 1 Peter 1, 20. Not that one, guys, but it would be the scripture. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. He was talking to people, he was talking to people who were suffering because of Nero's reign. He was talking to people because Nero was persecuting Christians for being Christians. Nero, in the background of 1 Peter, he was, he was burning down buildings because most emperors wanted to set up a legacy for themselves. So he was trying to set up a legacy by creating new buildings and being able to stamp his name in Roman history. But when he was doing it, some were skeptical about whether he was the one who was causing that. And when they started to kick closer in investigating, he realized that he could be exposed, so he put it on the Christians. He falsely accused them. So much that he convinced the people that it was the Christians that was doing it, setting all the fires up, and then he went so far as to persecute them that he put them on a stake and he lit them on fire. In fact, they were the light of the streets. These were people who were being brutally murdered and killed for the sake of the gospel. Peter, now how do you offer hope to a people that see family members, friends, all these people around them dying because of their faith? How do you offer that? Well, you have to go back to the original intent because this was around 64 AD to 67. And so Peter goes back to the original intent, and he started back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Look with me there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Because he had to go all the way back explaining how eternity past to eternity future, Jesus Christ is the living hope. And that he would be the guaranteed hope for Christians who are going through suffering times. And so as we think about this, we have to read and, and, and try to capture what Peter is saying. So he starts in verse 10. He says, concerning this salvation. Let me stop there a second because I need to go back to verses 8 and 9. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Okay. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So hope is, and we know that in, in Hebrews 11:1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So although they did not see Jesus, they were hoping in something that was a guarantee. Peter was bringing them back to that because it had to start with the birth of Christ. And so he goes on further after that. He says, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. So now he goes back to the prophets. 
The prophets who spoke in the Old Testament were expecting, hoping for this so-called Messiah. From Genesis to Zechariah, there are many prophecies that were mentioned about Jesus. But they didn't know it was Jesus at the time. They just knew there was a Messiah to come. And so what happened was he had a prophesied. The, the word in, in, in the Greek for prophesied is to foretell, to share what lies in the future. And they searched They searched, which means in the Greek, seek out, to find out, to search for. Now, even in Hebrews 11.6, just because I mentioned that, Hebrews 11.6 says this, because I said 11.1, but now 6 talks about this. And it says, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That word seek in 1 Peter 1.10 is the same Greek word as in Hebrews 6, 11.6. These, these men were seeking, they were inquiring, they were wondering who is this so-called Messiah to come? And they go on into verse 11. And he says, inquiring that person of a t- or a time. Now, Even Jesus made mention of it in Matthew 13, 16, and 17. Jesus made mention that these so-called believers in Christ, the people of God, would make mention of it. And when they made mention of it, he, he was highlighting the fact that he said, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it. They searched, they inquired, they probed. Even in verse 11, it says they probed in the NET version. They longed, and he said, they did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it. I mean, they weren't able to grasp what we, you and I can do today. Today, we can understand in 1 Peter that the living hope of Christ is because we can see from eternity past to eternity future that the living hope of Christ is offered to us. It's not just offered in good times, but offered in difficult times, not offered in times when things are easy, but things when things are suffering, trials, tribulations. Because when we're hurting, when we have trials and tribulations, many would see that as subjective. Many would look at each situation or circumstance in their lives and they would either, some would get depressed, see disparity or defeat. But God is saying, in the midst of depression, in the midst of disparity, in the midst of defeat, I am your hope. God is not looking for you and I to have it together. God is looking for you and I to seek him. And when we seek him and say, Lord, I can't do this. I don't know. I need to inquire of you. God is saying, I'm right there. I sent my son. The first coming of Christ was the whole purpose of that, was to offer that hope. And they probed and they saw and and they were crying out to God. And then it goes on to say this in verse 11. They were inquiring of what person or time. So they didn't know the person. We know the person. They didn't know the time. We know the time. The person is uh, Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah. The time is he came at the time of Christmas. But they didn't know. And so here's where it goes a little bit further. It says this. The spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Now watch this now. The word indicated in this verse means to make known, to reveal, to disclose. 
The spirit of Christ is not talking about the human spirit of Christ, but it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Remember where it says in John 16, 13 through 15, it says, when the spirit comes, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, this is Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has in mine is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's the purpose, and that's the role of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ mentioned in 1 Peter is the Holy Spirit revealing it to the prophets, predicting that which they did not see, that which they did not know. They didn't know the person or the time. But you and I, because we know that the spirit of God that's been deposited into us for the day, until the day of redemption is offered to us from eternity past until eternity future because the deposit will be until the day of redemption. And the Holy Spirit that lives in you and I, he reveals to us Jesus. He reveals to us the person of Christ, the work of Christ, when he cares for us and he loves us and he gives us that hope. Even Jesus said, it said, uh, Luke wrote in the book of Acts in 16, 7, it says, when they had come up to Messiah and they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. The Holy Spirit was the agent in the midst of the book of Acts. The spirit of Jesus and the Holy Spirit with the Father are working together harmonious to bring forth hope to the believer today. In fact, it says in Romans that Jesus and the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf when we groan in our prayers. So when we're hurting and when there's suffering and difficulties and trials and disparity, when we're at a point where we're defeated, God's saying, no, 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 no. My hope is a guarantee. Watch this now. Because he predicted beforehand, the Holy Spirit testified it to them, and they then testified it to those around them. And then it says in verse 11, in another version in the NET, it says, I love this, it says, appointed Christ. They appointed Christ to suffer. So see, Jesus had to suffer in order to reach glory. If Jesus didn't suffer, we wouldn't have the resurrection. If Jesus didn't die, there would be no hope. If Jesus didn't come first time, knowing there's a guarantee he's coming a second time, there'd be no hope for us today. We would have to look for other things. See, one of the things that we can see with the prophets is that they weren't guessing. It wasn't an educated guess of hoping that Christ would come. It wasn't something that they were um, just some mindset of thinking, okay, well, I think it's going to happen, but I'm not particularly sure. It was a guarantee for them. Why? Because the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit was present. And then it goes on to say this in verse 12. That if he was appointed to suffer and then glory, it says it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. They knew, the prophets knew because of the spirit of God, because of the Holy Spirit, they knew what they were predicting in the future was not for them at that time. It wasn't what we call a near fulfillment. They knew it was a far fulfillment. They didn't know when, they saw and they inquired. But then it goes on to say this, it was revealed to them, meaning that word revealed in the Greek 
is a divine passive, meaning God is doing the work. God is the one revealing to them through the spirit of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch what he says further. He goes on in verse 12 and he says this, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So the prophets didn't know. Jesus said the prophets won't know. They can't see. They want to hear. They want to see, but they can't. You who are in Christ can see and know the person in the time. You know you have hope every day. You and I know that the living hope of Christ is a guarantee. It's offered to us through the first coming and now a second coming because if he's coming the first time, he's coming a second time because everything he's promised has been fulfilled. And therefore, if he's promised what he's fulfilled, that means he's coming because if he doesn't come, he's a liar. And God's not a liar. That's why when you and I are going through difficult times and trials and disparity and defeat, we must go back to Jesus being the living hope. We must. The living hope of Christ started in his first coming. It's coming in the second. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate the hope of Christ coming. Because there's a guarantee. The word announced is what an event, it's, it's the word for evangelist. It's leaning toward describing what an evangelist would do. And here the evangelist preached the good news by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, to you who are suffering, to you Christians who are suffering during this persecution, to you who are despair and defeat when you're seeing death in front of you. He's saying the Holy Spirit is present. So the question comes again, is this hope a guarantee? Well, let me read to you 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4, and then I'm going to show you a chart, which the guys will put up now. Let me read 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, how interesting it is that in the last part of verse 12, it says that the Holy Spirit was sent from heaven. Now, look at this. If you guys, can you put that chart up? So now, I, the span of time, okay, if you see this as the span of time in 1 Peter 3 and 4 and 10 and 12, you see this, the birth of Christ on top, the new birth of believers and believers' glorification. Okay, then you're seeing down below, it was given to the prophets, it was given to the evangelists to proclaim the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit, and now we receive it. Christ's resurrection offers Christ's redemption to Christians' resurrection. Those are hopeful terms, guaranteed hope. I Meaning if Christ resurrected, we too, when we are baptized, we believe that we too will rise with Jesus at the end of time. Sent from heaven, the Holy Spirit, in verse 12. Reserved in heaven, verse 4. Seated in heaven. Wow. All given by God. Spirit of Christ, Holy Spirit, the fullness of God's presence. This is what the guaranteed hope is all about. It's not an educated guess. When you and I hope in Christ, we're not sitting here and thinking, okay, well, I hope everything works out. 
But it won't. It won't work out if you and I are not hoping and believing that there's a guaranteed hope there. And I believe that in Christ, we believe that. God wants us to have that. Look with me now, as in your bulletins, I, I, I just threw out some questions just to, just to think about. I said, how does this apply to us today? See, when we hope, what are we expecting? Are we expecting our dreams to be fulfilled? Are we expecting the white picket fence and apple pie and the beautiful home and the dog that comes out to greet you when you come home from work? From years ago, that was a hope. Or your agenda or my agenda, our comfort, our convenience or easy living. See, what are we hoping for? Because if we're hoping in that, God never promised that to us. So what are we expecting? That's one question. The Christians that suffered under Nero's reign probably wondered about this. Wait, Lord, you mean to tell me that we have to go through this kind of suffering? I didn't expect this. Then number two, when we suffer, do we expect the worst? Suffering could derive from not being in control. It's subjective. We don't know what's coming next. This is why some can endure greater trials than others. It can be. But the objective hope of Christ is the living hope of Jesus, that no matter what we're going through, we can turn to the Lord, and he said, I I will offer you my hope. It's a guarantee from eternity past until eternity future. It's reserved in heaven. It was sent from heaven, reserved, and today you and I will have the hope of being in the fullness of his presence. Number three, when we hope in Christ, do we expect the best? The be- God's best or our best? Meaning when we're hoping in Christ, do we want God's will or our will? And see, during our time of suffering, what are we hoping in? See, I think the question was answered. Is Jesus Christ a guaranteed hope? Because it's plainly stated in the scriptures. It's the gospel. It's the hope of his second coming. It's what we have today until the day of redemption. You know, um, many of you know this story. I just learned of it the other day. Um, It moved me. Um, What I'm about to share, you guys, yeah, we knew this. Um, Eileen Nelson and Chuck Nelson, obviously we're um, members here at the church and Eileen works in the office. She's helped me tremendously in this past year. On Facebook the other day, I saw that um, she had a little child and, and there was a, um, a wishing a happy birthday for their son and I, I didn't know what that was about. So I contemplated, should I ask her? Because I really didn't want to bring it up. And, but she was, the, the Facebook post was real positive because they had six children. She had three miscarriages and they lost a nine-month-old child 23 years ago as many of you know. Troy was his name, extreme form of Marfan syndrome that affected every muscle in his body, including his heart muscle, which led to heart failure. I asked Chuck and Eileen, could I share this? Chuck was moved by it. But I asked her, I said, how are you doing? She goes, Bruno, listen, we think of Troy often. But if God didn't allow this to happen, we would have never became Christians. God used Troy to lead them to Christ. 
Now, I don't know. I can't explain that in my finite mind. But in God's mind, he used it for his, for his glory. They were suffering, obviously. The thought of it brought me tears. I'm talking to her and crying because I was moved. She goes, the local pastor nearby performed the funeral. He started a relationship with them. And through it, um, they, he led them to Christ. The reason why he was able to relate so well is because he lost a child too. Sometimes God allows us to experience suffering for someone else's glory. Eileen has had many opportunities to share the message. You know, because she's done it for years, she said, here at Bethlehem. She has shared it all around. People ask her, and she gets an opportunity to share how she became a Christian. No one would say, Lord, by the way, let my child die so I can come to know you. But God used it. And how can you explain it? I can't. But God uses suffering, trials, tribulations for his glory. See, Jesus wouldn't expect anything more from us if he didn't go through it himself. Look with me to Colossians 1, 24 and 27. Colossians 1, 24. This is so apropos. Paul is speaking here and he goes, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up with what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles and the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Wow. He's the hope of glory. You and I today, we can have a guaranteed hope in Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that your circumstances are not tough. I'm not saying that you're not going to go through hard times. In fact, let me just be honest with you, you will. You will go through difficult times. But God wants to use it for his glory. And when we suffer, when we go through those times, we don't understand it, we're in the midst of it. But after we come out of it, we're like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, my God. Oh, Yahweh Elohim. You're the one that I'm holding on to. So I just want to encourage you as we consider Christmas, as we consider the hope of his glory, I want you to just reflect for just a moment. Have you seen Jesus Christ as your hope, a guaranteed hope, or have you been struggling a little bit, wondering that what you're going through, maybe he won't be there because you've sinned so much that he doesn't want to have anything to do with you? Or maybe you're just going through a trial and you feel like he's had enough. I want you to know that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what trial you're enduring, there's a guaranteed hope in Jesus Christ. If you're at your end, that's when he's at his best. 
So I want to encourage you today to just reflect on that. And as we do, I'll I'll pray for you that God would begin to do that work in us and through us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for showing us through the book of 1 Peter that the living hope of Jesus Christ is a guarantee from eternity past until eternity future. That the Trinity is present in verses 10 through 12. That the gospel is Trinitarian. That the hope of glory remains always by the Father, through the Son, and in the Spirit. And so, Father, I pray that whatever we're going through, whatever trial or tribulation or difficulty, whether we just don't like what's happening in our lives or we're just down on ourselves or we just think we're not useful or we don't feel worthy, God, continue to reveal yourself and offer your hope to your people. And I pray that through that, they will be able to offer that hope to someone else. I want to thank you so much, Lord, for your incredible hope. I want to thank you for Jesus. I want to thank you for the cross. Today and in the coming weeks, we're celebrating the first coming of Christ. But thank you that it's a guarantee that you're coming back again. Our living hope in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.